This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. Well, I know we had a great service this morning for everybody that was able to be here. I know uh, the Lord really spoke through our our missionary, uh, Pastor Frank. You know, uh, he gave you a little bit of an update on what's going on down there in Nicaragua. And, and you know, I, I, I keep keep them in prayer in the name of Jesus. Things are turning around there and and we want to get back down there. Seeing all the pictures of those little kids made me miss it really bad. I love the kids in Nicaragua, right, Leanne? They're so sweetest little kids, man. They're so beautiful. We I love them. And so I want to get back down there and uh, get to spend some time with them and give them some stuff and, and bless them. But anyway, tonight the the title is this, and I mean, it's something that you know, but I got to remind you, because sometimes you just need reminded of the things you already know. And the title tonight is this, He has overcome the world. Isn't that good news? I mean, what if Jesus had not overcome the world? That would mean that there are things out there that that have the capability to completely wipe you out, man. And the thing is, is no matter what problem we face, no matter what situation, what storm arises, the good news is that Jesus has already overcome the world. It's just we, we've got to walk in faith, man. We've got to walk in the Word of God and we've got to walk in that dominion. Amen. We've got to walk in our authority and we've got to do what he tells us to do. But I want to show you a verse here because, as you know, I'm not just making this up. It's not a cute phrase. Jesus himself said it. OK, I, I can't get the credit for this one. Jesus, Jesus himself said this. John 16:33. Let's flip over there real quick to John 16:33. Amen. Amen. John 16:33. And so Jesus, no matter what it is we face, we all know that he is the answer, but you you can't lose sight of that. John 16:33 in the New King James it says this, "These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace." Well, that's good news. That in Jesus we can have peace. Who likes to have peace in their life? You know what? I like peace. If there's, I mean, that's one of my favorite aspects of being a Christian is that I can have peace. There's a lot of blessings. There's a lot of promises. And I love all of them. I love all the things that the Lord has given to us. And there's a huge list, okay? Lots of things that the Lord has provided But just speaking for me personally, one of my favorite things from the Lord is to have peace, because I can tell you this much that there's been times that I've tried to live my life in my own way and there was no peace in that. And I hate not having peace. But Jesus said in me, you may have peace in the world. You'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so that's good news for us tonight. How many in here live in the world? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of you, I know you, I don't know where you're at. You're out there somewhere. But but for the 60% of us that live on planet Earth tonight, uh, listen, there's good news for you, you Martians and, you know, others. I don't know about you, but though you earthlings here, listen to me. He has overcome the world. And what does that mean? Well, we're going to break this down a little bit and explain what exactly that means, because that may sound like, 
Well, that sounds really good, but what, what does that mean? Well, we're going we're gonna to explain that and break it down a little bit here. But I'm going to go ahead and open this up in prayer. And, and we're going to learn some stuff tonight that the Lord wants you to get. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have a church to come and worship you in, Lord. And we thank you that, that you've done a great work in each life that's here, Lord. We're not where we used to be, God. You have brought us forward, Lord. You have pulled us up out of the ditch that we were in. You cleaned us off. You restored us, redeemed us, and gave us another shot at life. And Lord, we are forever grateful for that. Lord, I pray tonight that as we study your word, that you will speak to each of us, Lord, and explain this to us so we can live it out for your glory. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Well, he said that he has overcome the world. Well, 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 listen, listen to this. Number one, the world, obviously, it represents trouble. The world that Jesus has overcome, listen, that represents trouble. And the reason why this world gives us such trouble is because of the guy running it. Do you know who's running the world right now? Yeah, but but why do we know that it's Satan? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us, just write it down. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us that Satan is the God of this world. And a lot of times, you know, people, it's a very fair question to ask. People ask like, okay, well, if, if he's got the whole world in his hands, if God's in charge of everything, then why do bad things happen? Well, the obvious answer is that God is not in charge of everything or everybody. There's a lot of very unsubmissive, rebellious people out there that God is not in charge of their life. And because we, you realize this, that God gives us a free choice. He said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. So you are absolutely free to do whatever you choose to do. God does not force you to do anything because if he did, I mean, every church in Barstow, every church in America would just be jam packed tonight, full of people praising the name of Jesus, glorifying him, giving to the poor. I mean, if God forced us to do things, okay, things, it would just be a whole lot different. But the fact of the matter is this, God didn't want a bunch of robots that worshiped him because they were forced to God wants people that willingly lovingly bow down and confess him as Lord people that obey him because they love him people that worship him just because they love him God didn't want robots God wanted people that would choose him right and so obviously bad things do happen in this world we get that and God's not the one behind it and so people, if someone ever says, well, you know, if, if he's in charge of everything, he is not in charge of everything, according to the word of God. Second Corinthians 4, 4. And I'll show you in another place in a little bit where Jesus himself said that that the ruler of this world and he's referring to Satan. And so if Jesus was totally in charge of everybody in this world right now, things would be a lot different. But he gives us a free will to choose what we're going to do. And because of that. Yes, there is trouble in this world. Have any of you ever run into any of that trouble just over the course of your time on planet Earth? I mean, I, you know, occasionally I wander across it. Occasionally I stumble across trouble. I, we all do, right? Because there is trouble in this world. And listen, the Greek word here uh, that Jesus used for world is this world called cosmos. And this primarily refers to the Earth's inhabitants. Human beings. And so 
He said, in this cosmos, in this realm of people, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome this realm. I've overcome this world. I've overcome this cosmos. I have overcome all of this stuff. Be of good cheer. And so, obviously, not everybody in this world, not all of the earth's inhabitants are completely submitted. And even those that do say they're submitted to God, a lot of them are not submitted to God or they would not do the things that they do. And so let's look at something here in Galatians chapter five, Galatians five. Who's ready for a good time? I'm ready for a good Sunday night here. Galatians chapter five. We're going to look at a few things here. Now, this is a pretty famous chapter. Who knows what famous thing is found in Galatians five besides the front row? You're on the front row. Stop. <laughs> it's the fruit of the spirit. OK, some of you said it. All right. Yeah. Jose knew. All right. Wow. Back in sinners row. They No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that is, people say that about the back row. Jose's not a sinner. He used to be. Now he's a better man than I am. All right. Galatians five verses 19 through 21. So 22 and 23 are what we call the what the Bible calls the fruit of the spirit. Okay. And it gives us a beautiful list of what it looks like when somebody is submitted to the Lord and the, and the, and they're, they're living out of their born again spirit. They've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. They got these, this fruit of the spirit. But before the beautiful fruit of the spirit, we have the fruit of the flesh. And this is what it looks like when you are not submitted to the Lord or when somebody is there ruled by their sinful nature. No, it's an ugly list and I don't enjoy reading it. So here we go. Galatians 5:19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And so when if you see somebody, you know, living this type of life of any of this stuff we're going to look at here, the results are very clear. This is somebody that is uh, that's following the desires of their sinful nature. And if they say, don't judge me, you can say, well, I'm not judging you. The Bible already did that for you. Galatians 5:19. The results are very, very clear. If somebody is living like this, they're controlled by their sinful nature. They're not doing it because they're controlled by God. First of all, sexual immorality. Well, that covers a huge list that's probably growing by the day of sexual sins in our world. All right. Uh, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so that list right there, that's what it looks like. I mean, does that sound like the world around us? I mean, I look, I see people out bursting with anger all the time, just stupid stuff. And they just burst out in anger. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy. But why is that? Why is that? Because they are controlled by their sinful nature. We're talking about people here that are not submitted to the Lord. They are not controlled by uh, by the Holy Spirit in their life. They're not submitted. And so looking at this list, would you say that it's a good thing that Jesus has overcome the world? Would you like to face all these people on your own? I wouldn't want to meet these people in a dark alley. 
perverts and drunkards and, and I mean rage-filled people. Listen to me. That's not being mean, but it says right here, this is what this world is like full of these people that are controlled by their sinful nature. But Jesus came and told us, good news for you, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so we don't have to be afraid of this stuff. I and mean, we, we see people, I mean, I know Christians, born again, spirit-filled Christians, that they're just afraid of everything, man. Oh, you don't, you want to go over there at night? Listen, I, don't be like that. You use wisdom, but you don't need to be afraid of every little thing in this world. Stop it. Jesus has overcome the world. Well, you know, don't go, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. You never know what's going to happen. Stop it. Jesus has overcome the world. Now, if the Holy Spirit tells me to not go somewhere or not do something, I'll absolutely listen. But I'm not going to live my life in fear, paralyzed with, oh, my gosh, what if they do this? Jesus has overcome the world. That's good news tonight. That's a really, really good thing. But you got to realize that the main way that Satan tries to come in and trip us up is through other human beings. Why is that? It's very effective. He's done it brilliantly for years because when he attacks us with sickness, most most Christians, if they you know have any wits about them at all, when sickness comes, they pray, right? I mean, most Christians, when they get sick, they'll they'll pray for the Lord for healing or whatever. And especially in our church, I mean, we we really know, you know, how to take a stand on that. But even your average Christian, when sickness comes, when the enemy attacks through sickness, they pray when the enemy attacks through some any of his different areas, they pray. But when the enemy uses another person, they don't pray. They get mad at the person and they retaliate against the person. It's effective. It's brilliant. It's a Trojan horse. It's brilliant because he comes in using somebody else and you think that people are your problem and you're mad at people all the time. You're always fighting with someone. You're always in strife with someone. You're always afraid or bitter or, or, or whatever against another person. But you don't realize that it's just the devil using an unsubmitted person. And, and here, here it is. And you're mad at the person. It's a Trojan horse. You've got your eyes off of who the real enemy is. Now, if he comes in and hits me with sickness in the name of Jesus, this is, I know this is from the enemy. It's not from God. Hey, this guy's being a real jerk today. I can't stand him. Get him away from me. I don't want to work here anymore. I quit. You do stuff like that. But listen, Jesus has overcome the world. But as a Christian, you have got to realize who the enemy is and you've got to start. We, we all we've got to start stepping it up a little bit and realizing how to fight this fight. And one way, one way that the devil does this is through people to get you to get out of love, because Galatians five, six tells us that faith works by love. And so we've got a lot of Christians that are very nice people, but they don't walk in love. They're always mad at somebody. They're always, you know, they're always retaliating against somebody and their faith is in handcuffs. It's shut down. It's not working. And listen, not only for your own benefit, but for the rest of our benefit, we need your faith to work. Right? Come on, we're a family. I need your faith to be working because I need your prayers in this church. I need your prayers. I, I need I need you to be doing what God called you to do. You need my faith to work because you need me to hook up with you. We're a family, right? 
And so, yes, it's great for my faith to work for my own prayers, but we're pretty selfish sometimes and we just let it stop right there. Oh, I need all my prayers answered, so I better forgive because I need I need God to do things for me. Well, yeah, you do. But isn't it nice when God can use you to help other people, too? And a lot of you that are suffering and going through things right now, I think you should start taking some time to pray for some other people and get your eyes off of your own situation. Maybe you should take some time to start uh, to start fighting the good fight of faith with some other people and start watching God do something in their lives. Amen. And so this world that Jesus spoke of here, he wasn't talking about the trees and the grass and the water. You know, I mean, hey, I guess that could give you trouble. I don't know. But they haven't really given me that much trouble where most of the trouble I've ever had in this world has been through cosmos, the earth's inhabitants, other people. And so the world represents trouble. Number two, here's the good news. I'm just hey, we're just going straight out. This is textual tonight. Jesus has overcome every problem in the world. Come on. He's overcome every problem in the world. And I really believe that a lot of times we forget this amazing fact. And so we try to fix things our own way. Yes, I know. Yes, he's overcome every problem in the world. How can I fix this, though? How can I overcome this? And Jesus is standing there saying, Hello, I overcame it already. And you're sitting there, oh, how am I going to fix this? I know, I know, it. John 16, 33, I, I, Lord, you've overcome the world. Yes, I glorify in that. How am I going to fix this? How can I overcome? How can I get the... Listen, let's say it again. Because one thing that I've noticed, especially if you've been in church very long, sometimes there's some of these verses that we know so well, we just let them fly right over our heads. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Jesus has overcome every problem. Every, say it with me, every problem. Not just the big ones, not just the small ones, not just, he's overcome every single problem that we could ever possibly face. And it's dangerous for us to lose sight of that. He's overcome sickness, poverty, family problems, work problems, and every other problem that we could face. Why in the world are we trying to figure it all out? Why are we trying to fix it? Why are we trying to fight it in our own strength? Why do we do this? Because we don't fully have a revelation. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 30. John 14 and verse 30. I'm going to show you something Jesus said right here. Who's having a good time tonight? John 14 and verse 30. And so this is something Jesus was saying, to, saying right here that it's words in red. It's something that you, you've got to get a hold of here. And again, we all say, Amen. Yes, I know that, but you've got to get this. John 14 and verse 30. He's talking to his disciples here and he says this. I don't have much more time to talk to you. Because the rule of this world approaches. Who's the, and so Jesus himself right here, he calls Satan. That's who he's referring to. You know, it's not that hard to read between the lines here. Jesus said, listen, the ruler of this world is approaching. And so Jesus says, listen, I get it. Satan is the ruler of this world right now. He's approaching. But here's the good news. He has no power over me. 
says he, the, he, the Satan's the ruler of this world, but he has no power over me. That's good news right there. What if Jesus said, I don't have much more time. The ruler of this world's approaching and I just don't know what to do. I got to go formulate a plan. I, I just need to get the prayer chain going. Just, oh, the ruler of this world. He's so bad. He's evil. He's bad, 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 bad. Oh, no. That's what a lot of us do. We basically sit there and sing Satan's praises. And you're like, what? I, I don't know about that. A lot of a lot of people do. Oh, man, the devil's on the loose this week. Oh, he's doing bad, bad. The devil is really, oh, he's taking people down this week. Oh, man, he, he did this over here. He destroyed my friend's marriage. My friend's kid got sick. Over here, this happened to us. I lost my, oh, he, the devil's on the loose this week. Why don't you just build an altar and burn a sacrifice? Shut up, man. Why do you talk seriously? Some people are like that. Oh, it's bad. Why would you sit there and sing his praise? That's what he wants. That you're you're playing right into his hands. Listen. Yes, he attacks, but here's the good news. Jesus said, Be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Jesus said, Yeah, the ruler of the world approaches, but he has no power over me. And so if he did have power over Jesus, then yes. We would be up the creek without a paddle. We would be in a bad situation, but we're not because Satan has no power over Jesus. And so what is that situation? What is the trouble that's facing you in your life right now? You have got to get past acknowledging with your head. Yeah, I know all things are possible with God. I I know it. You need to get past knowing it up here and get the revelation in your heart and say, no, he has no power over Jesus. Jesus has overcome this world. All things are possible to him who believes. And guess what? I believe you've got to get it in your heart, man. There's way too many of us that we just acknowledge it with the mind, but you've got to get it in your heart. Amen. John chapter 11. Let's flip flip back here. John chapter 11. And here's a story of a pretty bad situation. Uh, In fact, an impossible, very bad situation. John chapter 11. And this is the story of one of Jesus' good friends, Lazarus. And we know that Lazarus died, right? Lazarus had been sick for a while. Jesus hadn't had time to make it over there because he was fixing everybody else's problems, healing everybody else. And then Lazarus dies. And so people tell him, oh, Lazarus is dead. But but listen, Jesus gets there and, and it's never too late for Jesus, is it? It's never too late for Jesus. He gets over there and then he doesn't flip out. He doesn't get scared. And listen, John chapter 11, starting here at verse 38. And so he gets there. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Jesus was angry. Yeah, Jesus got mad about the works of the devil. And so Jesus wasn't the one that killed Lazarus or else, you know, Jesus would have to rebuke himself. That doesn't make any sense. So Jesus comes and Satan had come in through sickness and Lazarus had died. And so Jesus was flat out angry about it. He wasn't happy about this. Verse 39, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. Four days. I mean, come on. I, it's great. Somebody gets raised from the dead and they just got hit by a car or something. 
Fantastic. We're talking about someone that they have been in the tomb for four days. That's, I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. It doesn't get a whole lot more impossible than this situation right here. And even his own sister said, this smell's going to be terrible. Like, really? Some, yeah, some sister there. It sounds like something my sister would say. No, I'm kidding. I love her. I love her. But I'm, no, but really, like, uh, Jesus is like, he's there to fix the problem. And his own sister's like, are you serious? It's going to smell awful. But look at this. Look at this. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Who in here wants to see God's glory? You got to believe. You don't just see the glory. You you got to be a believer, a real believer. You got to believe. And Jesus said, "I told you you'd see God's glory if you believe." So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, "Father, thank you for hearing me." You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And so Jesus, he wasn't just, you know, reaffirming himself here and getting over his self-esteem issue. He's like, you always hear me, okay? But I'm saying this for their benefit. And so Jesus is, he's doing all this out loud. And so then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him, loose him and let him go. And so here we have Jesus absolutely coming in when it looked like it could not get any worse. But this is the same Jesus that says later on, listen, be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. Whatever the problem is that you are facing I'm the answer. I've already got this. I've already got it handled. I have overcome the world. And so can you imagine being there that day and seeing Lazarus? I mean, come forth out of this tomb looking like a mummy. Can you imagine what that would have been? I would, that would have been an amazing thing to witness. But Jesus, listen, we say he's the name above all names. You better realize that he really is the name above all names. We say that he is the Lord of all lords. You better really realize that he really, really is. That's not just a cute thing we say. He really is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Wonderful Counselor. He really is all of these things. And you have got to get this in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is and nothing less. He's nothing less than all the things that he said that he is. And he said, I've overcome the world. You can be of good cheer. Satan has no power over me. He's got nothing on me. And look at this right here in Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at another one. So, question, the Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead, could he still do that today? Is he still the same Jesus? You've got to realize that it's the, he's the same Jesus. He's still just as able and more importantly, he's just as willing. Because a lot of us, we see Jesus as being able to do anything, but a lot of times we question his willingness. And, you know, I, I've used this example, but think about it this way. Imagine that, you know, you've got some sort of 
sickness or condition or whatever. And you go to, you know, you're referred to a doctor and you go there, you give him all the symptoms. He says, oh, yeah, I know exactly what that is. I help people with this every single day. And you're like, oh, thank God. Can you help me? I can. Am I going to? I don't want to. What? It's not my will. What? Why would you say that? I mean, what? You help everybody else with it, but you don't want to help me? No. No, I just, I pick and choose, and you're not one of them that's on my list of, sorry. I, 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 I am, I am totally able. So you mean, you're telling me, doctor, that you are able, you know exactly what's wrong with me, you have the exact answer, the exact solution, the medicine, everything it takes, but you're not gonna do it for me. No, it's not my will, I don't want to. Wouldn't that, I mean, that'd be awful. That'd be terrible. Imagine your car is messed up and you go to the mechanic and, you, and he's like, oh, yeah, yep, I can tell right. I know exactly what that is. Oh, good. When can you have it done by? Oh, whoa, I'm not going to fix it. No, it's my will for you to drive around like that and suffer, man. You're going to learn a lesson from this. Learn a lesson from, you know, not having a muffler, <laughs> whatever the situation is. I mean, what is there to learn from that other than it stinks? It's no fun. There's no lesson in that. Listen to me. We have a God, we have Jesus, who is not only able, but thank the Lord above, He is willing to help us. Amen? I am, I mean, I am glad that I serve a God that is willing to help. And so, He has no favorites, and for those of you who think He is, that you, you know that He does, Romans 2.1, Acts 10.34, mark it down, look it up later. Romans 2.1, Acts 10.34. Matthew chapter 8, verses 2-3. through 3. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him, talking about Jesus, and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And so here's this guy coming up. He has no doubts whatsoever about Jesus' ability and his power. That doesn't even come into question right here. He's like, I know it. If you're willing, you could heal me and make me clean if you're willing. And so he just doesn't know the willingness of Jesus, just like a lot of us. But look at this. Look at this. Verse three. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. That's beautiful right there. What if Jesus had said, you're right, son, I am able, but I'm just not willing. I need you to suffer through this and give me glory. What if he had said, I mean, how messed up is that? That's awful. Yet some people accuse Jesus of that. I would never accuse Jesus of that. And so Jesus right here, and you can study Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, study all four Gospels. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can show up next Sunday and show me one place where someone came up and Jesus said, it's not my will to heal you. In fact, I'll up it to ten trillion dollars. How's that sound? Because I know I'm not going to have to pay it out. I've read this many, many times. You will not find one place. And by the way, Jesse's he's going to write that check. So anyway, uh, but here we go. So but listen to me. Listen, you can study Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. There is not one place ever where somebody came to Jesus for help. And he said, it's not my will. I, I could, but I'm, I'm not going to not for you. Not one time. Well, then why in our day and age do we have to sit here and question whether it's God's will to help us? Because Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why would Jesus want to help everybody back then, but now all of a sudden he doesn't? That would mean Jesus changed. 
That would mean that Hebrews 13.8 is a lie. And Jesus Christ is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changed. He's moody. <laughs> What's up with this? He, I, it doesn't make any sense. But the real truth is this. Is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just like Malachi, the Lord said, I am God. I change not. I'm not going to change. I don't have to change. I'm already perfect. And so listen, Jesus has overcome every problem in this world. You've got to get this, man. You've got to get this in your heart that whatever it is you're facing, Jesus is the answer. Jesus does want to help you. And with God, all things are possible. Absolutely to those who believe. Number three, my favorite, be of good cheer. I like people that are of good cheer. Do you like joyful, cheerful people? Okay. Alrighty then. Well, I tell you this much. I like people of good cheer. I don't like to be around people that are, you know, in the pits all the time, doom and gloom, negative. I can't stand that, man. I don't want to be around that. Jesus said, be of good cheer. So it is possible for you to be of good cheer. And there's a lot of Christians that may say things like, oh, yes, I know he's overcome the world. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. And, you know, and and say stuff like that. But then they've got like this look of death on their face. He's overcome the world. Like, be of good cheer, man. Obey the whole verse. Don't just take that. Obey the whole verse where he said, be of good cheer, man. It's okay to be of good cheer. Jesus said to be of good cheer. Have some joy in your life. Because why is that? Well, I'll be of good cheer when I get through this. Then you're not. Listen, you got to be of good cheer before you get through that. You've got to have joy before you're on top of the mountain. You've got to have joy before you cross the Jordan River. You've got to have joy right now because the sorrow just lasts for the night, but the joy comes in the morning and you can have the joy right now. Amen. Jesus said the ruler of this world, he's approaching, but he's got no power over me. That's enough right there for me to say, all right, I've got joy. I can handle that. That's good news because joy does not depend on my circumstances. Preaching of the choir, you know it. This isn't a, if this is an earth shaking revelation, I'd be surprised. But listen to me. Joy doesn't depend on your circumstances. Oh man, I've got the joy of the Lord this week. I got a bonus on the job. Woo! You don't have joy. You're happy. And that's nice. Congratulations. Glad you got a bonus. But the, but if your joy is dependent on that you got a bonus, then it's not joy. It's happy. That's an emotion, right? Joy isn't an emotion. It's a spiritual truth. It's a spiritual condition is what joy is. And so even if I didn't get a promotion this week, even if I didn't get a a bonus on the job for Christmas, doesn't matter. I've still got the joy of the Lord. Fine. Oh, man, I've got the joy this week. We're getting along. Me and my wife this week. I got the joy of the Lord. Good, wonderful, great, but that's not the joy of the Lord. That's happiness. And we all want to be happy, right? Come on. We like to be happy, but I like to be joyful a whole lot more than I like to be happy. Amen? And the joy of the Lord does not depend upon how you treat me, so therefore you can't take it away. Jesus said, I believe in John 16, He said, listen, I'm going to give you joy. And the joy I give, the peace I give, listen, the world can't take that away from you. Because it doesn't, they aren't the ones that gave it to me in the first place. 
Now, if you're the one that gave me my joy, then you could probably take it away. But you did not give me my joy. Jesus did. And he's not going to take it away. And you can't take it away. And I'm not going to give it away. My joy comes from the Lord. And that's why, amen, the strongest people that I know are the most joyful people I know also. I promise you that. The most joyful people I know are always the strongest people I know. Well, Nehemiah 8.10 says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right? And so somebody that's full of joy, obviously, it goes without saying, they're going to be a strong person. And so I think of, uh, of, of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. So flip over there real quick. Acts chapter 27. So my, my joy is not dependent upon how other people treat me, upon how much money I have in the bank or upon, you know, what's going on in this world. My joy is dependent upon my relationship with Jesus. And my relationship with Jesus is doing great. Acts chapter 27. Story of Paul here. Yet again, Paul found himself in trouble, but he didn't deserve it. But he was a prisoner headed on a ship to, uh, to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. And so he's in a bad spot. I mean, hey, not, not a good place to be in because I've said it before. Their prisons back then made our modern ones look like a country club. Okay, Their prisons were, no, I mean, awful, terrible, bad place to be. But Paul, he finds himself in in this situation and God warns them, listen, on the ship, there's going to be a bad storm. And so Paul tells the sailors, he tells the guards and, and the people on the ship, listen, my God told me that, listen, I'm just telling you, there's a bad, bad storm coming. And of course, you know, they're like, oh, shut up, preacher boy, not, whatever, you know, we're not going to listen to you. And a terrible storm came. Now, I mean, I've been out at sea when it's a little bit rough. That's not fun. But I, I, I mean, being out a, on a wooden ship out in the middle of the sea when a really bad storm comes, uh, that's got to be a pretty bad spot to be in. Uh, so we're not playing around here when we say this was bad. In fact, Acts 27 tells us it was so bad that they didn't see the sun for several days. I mean, they're all over the place, probably boards flying everywhere, people absolutely sick and just it, it had to be a, a bad, bad situation. And so Acts chapter 27, verse 25, I love it in the King James, because after several days of I'm sure people just want where they'd rather die than be living through this. Paul comes up to the top of the ship and walks up to the guards and he says, verse 25, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told to me. And so Paul comes up here to these guys. And can you imagine? I mean, listen, you see signal. There's probably people hurling everywhere. OK, bad situation. And Paul walks up. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. It's like, shut up, dude. What is wrong with you, man? Be of good cheer. No, no but seriously, it had to be a bad spot. And he comes up and says, be of good cheer. I've got good news. The Lord spoke to me and it's going to be even as it was told to me. Well, what was it the Lord said? He told him in the first place that there's going to be a really bad storm, but there's not going to be loss of life and that they're going to survive the storm. And here they are. They haven't seen the sun for several days. They've been tossed all over the place. Probably boards flying everywhere. People hanging on for dear life. And Paul walks up and says, be of good cheer, my friends. Yeah. 
How do you do that? How, how, how do you do something like that? Because your joy isn't dependent upon your natural circumstances. If you say, yeah, man, I've got the joy of the Lord this week. The weather's great. We're out here at sea, man. Just really beautiful, calm waters. I've got the joy of the Lord. No, like you're happy because, you know, there's nice weather, but you don't have the joy of the Lord. We probably won't really know you have the joy of the Lord until you're tested a little bit. Because, I mean, for all we know, you're just a really happy person because you've got money and good circumstances. People love you. You know, you, you, you get to eat at the Barstow Del Taco. I mean, you've got good, good things happening in your life. And for all we know, you're just an extremely happy individual. But you don't really know the joy of the Lord until you're pressed a little bit like Paul was, right? Paul, I mean, he loved the Lord and, 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 and he served the Lord and God brought him through. The Lord delivered him. He wasn't afraid. He was courageous. But Paul still had some storms come to him, just like we have storms come to us, right? And, uh, and, 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 and when Jesus told the story about the, the man with the, that built his house on solid rock and the man that built his house on the sand, they're both, you know, probably fine guys, but storms came to both of them, right? Just one of them and knocked his house down. The other guy didn't knock his house down because his house was built on the solid foundation. And so we know that storms do come to everybody, but we can have the joy of the Lord through the storm because we can be of good cheer because we know the end result. This may be a storm coming right now, but it's not going to last long because Jesus has overcome this world. I'm going to be of good cheer. Who wants to be of good cheer with me tonight? Good cheer is a great place to be. Let's flip over to my last thing here, Psalm 34, because we need to go to Psalm 34. Hey, Psalm 34 is amazing. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. So Paul, he was of good cheer. He had a word from the Lord. And you've got to get to the point in your life where God's word is good enough for you. You're like, well, I may not see the manifestation just yet, but praise God, the word says this. That's all I need. That's good enough for me. Because a lot of times you're like, well, I, I know, man, but, but this and but this and but this. Listen, you have got to get. I'm going to say this again because I don't want it to fly over your head. Please get this. You have to get to the point in your life where God's word is good enough for you. I mean, what, what if you had a promise from somebody, you know, some rich person who's like, man, I, you know, I promise you I'll put it in right, I'll sign the papers right now. I'm going to wire you, you know, $1,000. I'm going to wire you $50,000. You'd be like, oh, yes, I don't see it yet, but man, oh, his, his word is good enough for me because I know he's rich. He signed his name to it. His word, that's all I need. I'm, that's good enough for me. Why can't we take God's word that good? Well, I haven't seen it yet, but that's all right, man. His word is good enough for me. He promised, man. And I, that's all I need right there. He made a promise. That's hey, I don't care if I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it, it's happening. It is happening because his word's good enough for me. What more does he have to do to prove himself to you? Psalm 34 verses five through eight. King David said, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. They'll be of good cheer. Those that look to him for help, they'll be radiant. They'll be full of good cheer. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. 
For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Is there anybody in this church tonight that takes refuge in him? Anybody in here tonight that has looked to him for help? Listen, you're going to you're radiant with joy, man. No shadow of shame is going to darken your face. There is joy in your life. And so I'm just encouraging you tonight. This wasn't any breaking new revelation that I, I maybe it was to you. But I think for most of us, this is stuff we knew. But I just want to remind you and encourage you that no matter what it is we're facing, even if everything's perfect right now, no, just no matter what the status of your life is, be of good cheer. He has overcome the world. And God's on your side. Amen? If God is for you, who can be against you? Let's stand up together tonight. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.